My friend, you had horses, and deed of arms, and free fields. But she, being born in the body of a maid, had a spirit and courage at least the match of yours. Yet she was doomed to wait upon an old man, whom she loved as a father, and watched him fall into a mean, dishonored dotage. And her part seemed to her more ignoble than the staff that he leaned on. Hey there, gang. I'm Danny J. This is Joel N. Welcome back to Keep, Keep on, on Talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Episode 45. And today, we are going to be doing actually our second character profile on a female character. Breaking records. Not that there were terribly many uh, female characters in Tolkien to begin with, but uh, if you want to hear more about that, go listen to our female, uh, our women in uh, Tolkien episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We discussed it at length in a two-part episode. But today we are going to be talking about Eowyn. Shield Maiden of Rohan. So let's uh, first just start briefly and touch on who Eowyn was, just a little refresher. Uh, so she's the niece and the goddaughter of King Theoden of Rohan. She's a uh, sister to Eomer, the chief marshal of the Ridmark. She was also known for her fierce bravery, skill with the sword, and her ability to lead. For a second here, see, this, uh, I thought it said her ability to read. <laughs> I was like... And then I realized that I can't read. It says lead. Mm. Yeah, her. Yeah, she was cries for her ability to read. So let's jump into a few of her names and titles. So she's known as the Shield Maiden of Rohan, the Lady of the Shield Arm, White Lady of Rohan, the Lady of Athelion, the Lady of Emin Arnon, and of course Durnhelm, her alter ego. But we'll get into a little more of uh, Durnhelm a little bit later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but let's start with her origins. So Eowyn, she was born in the Third Age, 2995, in Rohan, and she was the second child of Eomund and Theodwin. Her daughter, or, or excuse me, her mother Theodwin was sister to King Theoden, and that would make Eowyn niece to the king. Yeah, and like we mentioned earlier, uh, King Theoden was also Eowyn's godfather. The godfather. Yeah, it turns out that uh, her mother... Theodwin and the- uh, Theoden, they were, uh, of their siblings, those two were particularly close. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very close family, these guys. So, Eowyn's father, Eomund, he was the chief marshal of the Mark of Rohan. That is, under King Theoden, of course. And then we've also, we also, she also has an older brother, Eomer. In TA-3002, Eowyn's father, Eomund, dies. Eomund was known for being reckless and often riding against the enemy with few men about him. Yeah, so in uh, 3002, uh, he was recklessly pursuing a band of orcs towards the Emin Muil, and he gets himself killed. Gets iced. And shortly after that, their mother, Theodwin, she dies of grief, as is, uh, is happens to Tolkien characters. Yeah, that happens a few times in Tolkien. Yeah. It happens in real life, though, too, with, like, super old people. It does. Older folks, they do tend to uh, pass from grief. Yeah. It, is, it is something that actually happens. Yeah. So by the time both of their parents died, uh, Eowind and Eomer, they were seven years old and 11 years old, respectively. So they were pretty young. So this is pretty tragic for them. And the orphan children, they were taken by uh, their uncle and they were to grow up in his house as children of 
of the royal house of Edoras. King Theoden's a great guy. But that's about as much information as they give on the early life of Eowyn. Uh, next we get to hear about her is uh, more towards the War of the Ring. Yeah. You mean to tell me there's some serious gaps in a female character's background story? <laughs> who who would have thought? Who would have thought? So since we're going to be talking about the War of the Ring, let's take a second to talk about King Theoden since uh, the, all the events that happen in Rohan at the time kind of revolve around Theoden and the, such. The Theoden regime, yeah. 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 So by the time of the War of the Ring, King Theoden had actually already been king of Rohan for about 40 years and he was becoming pretty old and tired. Tired as shit. And in 3014, um, his health began to, to, to fail quite a bit. Um, this might have been due to natural causes, him being 66 and not Dunedain. <laughs> and it, True. Yeah. And it may have been, uh, but it may have been induced by the subtle poisons administered by local asshole Grima Wormtongue. Yeah, I don't think it's explicitly said either way, but it's pretty well implied that it was the influence yeah. of Grima that yeah. eventually is what what made things worse. Yeah, as the War of the Ring approached, Theoden was increasingly misled by his chief advisor, Grima. And in the last years before the war started, Theoden pretty much let his rule completely slip out of his hands and Grima became one of the main powers in Rohan. So do you think that he's... So obviously you can draw the conclusion that he's like a Rasputin type character, right? Yeah, yeah. You definitely you, get that feel. Do you know if Tolkien ever said anything about him being a Rasputin, Rasputin Indian character? That's a good thing to look... I haven't heard anything about no, that. I just but thought I of could, that right now. Yeah. I could see there being like inspirations from. Yeah. Because I also heard that uh, Rasputin used to poison uh, <laughs> used to poison one of the children of the Tsar. Oh, really? And then heal them and make himself look cool. Oh. Yeah. Trixie. <laughs> Trixie. But anyway, guys, let's but let's go back to Rohan. So Rohan, at the time of the, the Grima regime, is uh, troubled again by orcs and Dunlandings who uh, operated from orders of Saruman of Isengard. Yeah, so now that Grima's the one in power, he's more or less making it so these things can happen. You Turning know? a blind eye to Saruman yeah. taking over. Exactly. Yeah. And like there were obviously some in Rohan who weren't totally cool with it. Uh, for example, Eowyn's brother was really not... Eomer was not cool with it. Not so cool he tr it. he tried to fight the orcs off, but uh, that ultimately ended him ended up getting him in trouble too so there was a lot of drama around that but uh, so around this time this is in the lord of the rings story where we the audience are first introduced to eowyn and that's in the golden halls of meniseld in edoras by this time eowyn had grown to be tall slim pa and pale with long golden hair gray eyes and a grace and pride that came from her mother we've got a quick excerpt about her appearance Grave and thoughtful was her glance, as she looked at the king with a cool pity in her eyes. Very fair was her face, and her long hair was like a river of gold. Slender and tall she was in her white robe, girt with silver, but strong she seemed, and stern as steel, a daughter of kings. Yeah, so she definitely had an air about her. And it was said in temperament that uh, Eowyn was idealistic, spirited, brave, and high-minded. And uh, Tolkien writes separately that around this time is also when Eowyn really longed to win renown in battle, especially since she was royal. But uh, being female, her duties were reckoned to be at Edoras. So naturally, she wasn't involved in any of fighting. Right. Yeah, the Rohirrim are very, uh, battle is highly honored. It's, you know, they're one mm -hmm. of those types of, of, of people. Oh, yeah. Where, yeah, being killed in battle is, is about the best way to go. Mm -hmm. At this time, Eowyn had also taken up caring for her uncle Theoden after his health had begun to decline. Yeah, and this is when she became very lonely 
basically having sacrificed her own happiness for years now to care for her sick uncle and to meet the responsibilities of a, a proper shield maiden, if you were, basically the, the expectations of yeah. her. I'm sure none of the female listeners out there can uh, can identify with uh, that at all. Right? Oh, no, I'm sure Sacrificing not. your own happiness for, to take care of other people. Hmm. Yeah, and this next point, too, she was also constantly having to deal with harassment from Grima Warmtongue, who lusted for her all the time. Oh, I'm sure they never have to deal oh, with I'm that Oh, I'm sure either. no one has to deal with that. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, dealing with harassment from unrequited love? Yeah, never. Oh, never. that never happens. Never. Yeah, so Eowyn is in a pretty bad place at this point, I guess you could say. It's pretty sad. I mean, she was orphaned from her parents when mm-hmm. she was really young, and now her uncle, who she loves as a father, is in decline, and his kingdom is falling to shit, and she's just sitting here wasting away her life trying to take yeah. care of him. Patriarchy got her down, man. Yeah, it's she's in a, I mean, it's a pretty depressing time to be Eowyn, but things are about to change. Yes, yes they are. And on March 2nd, third age 3019, Gan- Gandalf arrives in Edoras with the three hunters, Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas. They had come to Edoras at Gandalf's bidding to help free King Théoden from the influence of Grima Wormtongue and to ultimately urge King Théoden to take some action against Isengard. Because Gandalf knew if they didn't take action against Isengard, there was no way that any of them were going to stand against Mordor when Mordor no. came on assault. So yeah. he's like, we've got to deal with this first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a uh, Rohan first agenda like they used to do <laughs> Yeah. Europe first, you know, World War II. This is also when Eowyn meets Aragorn for the first time. Oh, And she starts to kind of fall for him. Yeah. Who wouldn't, though? Right, like, what exactly. A guy. What I mean, a guy. He, he is like the guy. I mean, come on. Let me read you this excerpt about Aragorn. Thus Aragorn, for the first time in the full light of day, beheld Eowyn, Lady of Rohan, and thought her fair, fair and cold, like a morning of pale spring that has not yet come to womanhood. And she was now suddenly aware of him, tall heir of kings, wise with many winters, gray-cloaked, hiding a power that yet she felt. For a moment still as stone she stood, then turning swiftly she was gone. Ooh, a little bit of tension right off the bat. Yeah. No, it's really funny is like if you read this, um, this the what you just read, mm-hmm. that's basically exactly how they introduce her in the movie. Yeah. Like that almost describes the shot that they do when they introduce her in the movie. Yeah, it's really cool when you can when you remember back to like the film when you're reading over this and you're like, oh yeah, they've actually pulled this right from the text. Right like from some the of text, these shots yeah. and some of these lines, they did actually. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons why the fucking movies were the movies are so good. great. Yeah. But it seems like unlike the Hobbit trilogy they had people that read the books writing on it yeah and like they were trying to actually like use the story that was in the books right right strange yeah it seems like yeah (laughs) strange strange (laughs) so after the uh revival of theoden the king agrees to join the oncoming war and leads his forces to helm's deep to prepare he's like yeah enough of this shit we've been silent for too long here we go here we go so since Theoden planned to ride to battle himself, he knew that he needed someone to sort of take his place in Edoras while they were gone. So he asked his door warden, Hama, to suggest a leader for the people in his absence. And Hama recommends Eowyn because though she's a woman, she was, quote, fearless and all love her, end quote. She's a pretty popular character. And she's, like like we mentioned at the beginning, she's known for being able to lead. Eowyn mm-hmm. reluctantly obeyed the king's orders to stay behind and was bitter when the men left for Battle of the Hornburg. And here's a little excerpt about that. 
All your words are but to say you are a woman, and your part is in the house. But when the men have died in battle and honor, you leave to be burned in the house, for the men will need it no more. But I am of the house of Aeol, and not a serving woman. I can ride and wield blade, and I do not fear either pain or death. What do you fear, lady? A cage, to stay behind bars until use and old age accept them, and all chance of doing great deeds is gone beyond recall or desire. Yeah, so she obviously had some asp- some some real strong aspirations to, like we mentioned earlier, win honor in battle and defend her homeland. Yeah, and I love that. Like uh, her, her, she's not even like fearing the role of doing the the house stuff. She's more fearing the fact that she'll get used to it, and that'll oh, be, yeah. and that'll be all she's willing to do slash can do anymore. Yeah, a cage to stay behind bars until youth and old age accept them. Yeah. So, but uh, like we mentioned, she does begrudgingly agree to stay behind, and she does a great job. Yeah, totally ship shape. Yeah. Edoras. So when the war party returns victorious to Edoras, Eowyn had kept everything in perfect condition for their return. And I mean, like perfect condition. She did a fan a fantastic job. Shit's even nicer. Like, she's just like... <laughs> I re- things are better when they get back. I replaced all the light bulbs with compact fluorescent. I think you'll notice that well, our electricity bill will be a lot shorter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> made some improvements. Yeah, made some improvements. And uh, so it was around this time, after the war party got back, that she also confessed her growing feelings for Aragorn. But as we know, Aragorn reluctantly refuses her. Right. Uh, But it's not necessarily that he didn't care for her. No, yeah, he just liked her as a friend, you know? Well, they they make (laughs) it seem as though there was was some love there, too. But it's just, yeah, the relationship is complicated because Mm -hmm. Aragorn does care for her to an extent. Yeah. But, I mean, it becomes evident to Eowyn that he's obviously not going to return the love she's looking for because he's betrothed to Arwen. Yeah, and they've been dating for 40 years at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, the relationship between Aragorn and Eowyn, it's interesting because, like, there's that there's that weird tension there because she obviously really, really likes him. Really digs him. And he likes her, too, to an extent, mm-hmm. but uh, he's basically engaged. Yeah, he's taken. But they don't really let that affect things that much like they still interact with each other all the time no yeah they don't let it get weird it's an interesting dynamic yeah well because ultimately they're doing shit like yeah i mean there's there's the war of the ages going on right now so i guess there's there's plenty of distractions more important stuff to deal with and it was also at this time after the war party gets back that eowyn is also introduced to a little man known as Mariotic Brandybuck. Yeah, yeah. Who had returned with the war party from Isengard. Then they make friends. New friends. Yeah. And so really there's no rest uh no rest for the wicked because no rest for uh, the wicked. Yeah. As soon as uh they pretty much, as soon as they get back, uh Denethor too of uh who as we know is uh the steward of Gondor at the time, mm-hmm. he urgently calls for Theoden's aid against Mordor. Yeah, Mordor's coming now. Eowyn again begged to be allowed to ride to battle, but again she was refused. Eowyn, or Theoden did allow her to join the company this time as far as the Harrowdale on their way down to Minas Tirith. And uh, the Harrowdale is basically where Theoden goes to muster his forces. Right, yeah. It's like a big, like, isn't it like a valley, right? And they all, like, yeah, it's, a, it's a deep valley and a cleft in the White Mountains. So they're kind of shielded and guarded from all the crazy shit the that's going on. Shit, yeah. And uh, while in the Harrowdale, Eowyn, uh, she's very bitter 
because she's come this far and she's not going to be allowed to continue on in Minas Tirith. So in bitterness, she disguises herself as a man so that she can secretly ride with the war party along to the battle. Yeah. But uh, in the books, when we're going through this, we don't know that she does this. We get to the point where she's in the Harrowdale and we see how frustrated she is. And that's that's like the last we see of her. Right. And, and uh, Tolkien doesn't hint at all that she does any of this. No, no. Yeah. But in the in the film, they like, I think it's, it's, it's uh, I don't like that they, they, they took Dernhelm out. But at the same time, I understand that they wanted to be like, this is a female. And like, we mm-hmm. know, like, and yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It, they didn't want to be like, yo, let's cast Miranda Otto and then pretend she's a dude for like for a couple for like half for, of the movie for an hour or so yeah like i don't know yeah, yeah i don't know but yeah, i like so, the Durnhelm thing yeah so f- also for the sake of of uh telling the story we're also going to obviously say here that this is this is aon but she takes on the Durnhelm thing yeah she's she's Durnhelm. and so on march 10th ta 3019 this is also known as the Dawnless Day. This is when this is the uh, morning when Theoden's army finally sets out for Minas Tirith. And this is also when Theoden forbids Mary from joining them at the battle because Mary wasn't big enough to ride the big mighty horses of the Rohirrim. He couldn't ride them that far that fast. Right. I just think it's funny how like societies are like you're not good enough to fight for us. Mm-hmm. Like I don't like I don't get it. Like they're gonna kill people for you. What's the difference? Right. Stupid. Yeah. It was basically he couldn't ride his own horse, and none of the other horses could bear the extra weight. So Theoden was like, "You're staying behind. You're behind, man." And Mary was understandably distraught about this. And uh, uh, until a mysterious young rider, uh, Durnhelm, our guy, uh, offered to bear him on his horse. The best of guys, Durnhelm. Yeah, like we mentioned, no one knew at this point that it was it was Eowyn. Even in the, even the audience in the books at this point, they don't know that it's Eowyn in disguise. But uh, Dernhelm takes Mary along because ultimately, well, she knows that Mary wanted to follow his friends into battle and was refused, just like she just was. like her, yeah. And because uh, Eowyn ultimately weighs less than a man of similar height, she knew that her horse when Windfulla could ultimately bear them both and they wouldn't be weighed down. Yeah. So, so she doesn't have that problem. So why not? So ultimately she takes Mary along to the Battle of Pelennor Fields. The shittiest place ever to be taken along to. Yeah, this isn't this isn't <laughs> a good place to be. But when it came down to it, push to, uh, push came to shove at the Battle of Pelennor Fields. Eowyn, uh, disguised as Durnhelm, proved herself as fierce and fearless as any man of the Rohirrim. And the Rohirrim are the Rohirrim are known for being motherfuckers, for being valiant, yeah, <laughs> in, in war. Like they are a battle race. Like they talk about during Pelennor Fields, how like they sing because like the, they sang as they slew. That yeah. They sang as they slew because the joy of battle was upon them. <laughs> yeah, like this is what they do, and she was. Very good at it. Yes. Yes, she was. And, uh, yeah, during the battle, she actually made sure to follow along with Theoden's personal escort. She wanted to be close by. And during battle, King Theoden was directly confronted by a winged witch king of Angmar. One of the winged Nazgul. This is a horrifying scene. Yeah, and the king's escort, they pretty much hightail it out of there. They're all scared. Yeah, they scatter because of the whole, the terror of the wraiths thing. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, the king of the wraiths, I can only imagine. Yeah. But uh, Dernhelm and Mary are the only ones that uh, don't go chicken shit on this. Yeah, they're both, Dernhelm and Mary, uh, one of the things we hadn't mentioned previously is Mary Mary uh, has a very strong bond with King Theoden. So he also really right. loves Theoden mm-hmm. almost as much as Eowyn. 
So it's all about love, love for people. You yeah, know they, I mean? they love their king, so they did not flee when uh, the terror was in front of them. But the king's horse, on the other hand, was completely spooked by the crazy winged fell beast that the witch king was riding. So the king's horse rears up and falls over and crushes Theoden underneath him. And as Theoden lay mortally wounded, Durnhelm rushed to his side and challenged the Witch King. One-on-one, motherfucker! Which is pretty crazy, because, I mean, even elves were getting slaughtered by the Witch King back in, like, the oh, yeah. Second Age and shit. Like, Nobody can stand up to this motherfucker. This is crazy. Yeah, so the Witch King ultimately just laughs and boasts about he can't be defeated by any man and this and that, you know, ultimately referring to Glorfindel's prophecy. Yeah, at the fall of the Northern Kingdom. Yeah, at the fall of the Northern Kingdom, Glorfindel said, uh, what was it, by no living or... Uh, not by the hand of man shall he fall? Not by like the that? hand of man shall he fall, yeah. yeah. And then the Witch King rephrases it as no living man can kill me, but that's sort of a mistranslation of Glorfindel's mm-hmm. prophecy. But anyway, so uh, in response to the Witch King's taunting, this is when Durnhelm removes his helmet, revealing for the first time that Durnhelm is actually Lady Eowyn, shield maiden of Rohan. What? What the fuck? What the fuck? Yeah. It, when you come across this scene for the first time in the no, book, they it build is, it up so perfectly. It is amazing. This it's is one a of the crazy best drop, man. Yeah. Like, they don't. They really don't hint much at all. Well, there, there's a little bit of hinting. Yeah, a when bit she's of, like, "You don't recognize me." Oh, yeah. When Mary's like, "I don't know you," and he's, she's like, oh, "Do you not?" Hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's about that's about as much as you get. Yeah. But it, it he just oh god he played that out so well. Yeah, it's honestly this is like one of the best parts in in uh, all of the Lord of the Rings in my opinion. Mm-hmm. When you find out that this is Lady Eowyn, like yeah, let's just let's get to this fucking excerpt, right? <laughs> yeah. So this this scene is so badass. I mean, we've we've quoted it before, but this time we're gonna we're gonna it's gonna be a pretty long excerpt just because it's great. There's no better way to sum it up. Right. So uh, we hope you enjoy this scene. Come not between the Nazgul and his prey, or he will not slay thee in thy turn. He will bear thee away to the houses of lamentation, beyond all darkness, where thy flesh shall be devoured, and thy shriveled mind be left naked to the lidless eye. A sword rang as it was drawn. Do what you will, but I will hinder it if I may. Hinder me, thou fool. No living man may hinder me. Then Mary heard of all sounds in that hour the strangest. It seemed that Durnhelm laughed, and the clear voice was like the ring of steel. But no living man am I. You are looking upon a woman. Eowyn am I, Eowyn's daughter. You stand between me and my lord and kin. Be gone if you be not deathless, for living or dark undead, I will smite you if you touch him. Amazement for a moment conquered Mary's face, and he opened his eyes. And there, some paces in front of him, sat a great beast, and above it loomed the Nazgul, Lord, like a shadow of despair. A little to the left facing them stood whom he had called Durnhelm, but the helm of her secrecy had fallen from her, and her bright hair, released from its bonds, gleamed with pale gold upon her shoulders. Her eyes, gray as the sea, were hard and fell, and yet tears gleamed in them. It's a crazy scene. Yeah, fucking A, man. I love that, like, how he kind of uh, 
uses uh like her her badassery but she's like like you can see her eyes are stern and fell but they're also have tears in them there's like, right there's like a vulnerability there yeah oh well, i mean she's this is fucking horrifying yeah dude there's no way like any man would ever really survive this but she's gonna try anyway yeah she knows but uh, at this point, it mentions, too, that the Witch King kind of falters because he realizes that weird little loophole in the prophecy. Yeah, he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> but at the same time, he's fucking furious that somebody would challenge him. <laughs> so all at once, he's just super furious and he attacks Eowyn. I never realized that what part of the reason he probably gets angry is because he just realized the loophole. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, what? Oh, they should have worded that better. Well, <laughs> God damn it, Glorfindel. <laughs> Glorfindel just made this prophecy like teehee, just knowing what was going to happen. <laughs> I mean, shit, Glorfindel has already been reincarnated. He probably yeah, knows some he shit. He knows. He knows some shit. This was a joke 3,000 years in the making. <laughs> <laughs> One of the best setups of all time. Good job, Glorfindel. But furious, furious at this, the Witch King attacks Eowyn. And he initially attacks her with his steed, you know, the big fucking winged bat nasty creature but eowyn's quickly sl- uh, slew it with her sword yeah she makes quick work of that thing she's yeah. literally i think she does literally cut its head off doesn't she yeah she does yes come down and cut the head off yeah while well, we were talking about that earlier because I, I had like uh i had seen the films before i'd read the books and like certain things i would be like there's no way that's in the book right and like when it, yeah when she just slices its fucking head off and you're like oh oh no no that's in the book yeah, <laughs> yeah, she, yeah she slices there. its goddamn head off yeah. right away yeah she knows like like we mentioned earlier she in combat she's a motherfucker just yeah. like any of the rohira man yeah. they're known for that shit so this is when eowyn after she slays the witch king's mount now she goes toe to toe in hand-to-hand combat with the witch king of angmar <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Break out the guitars, dude. Uh, is this is almost as badass as Fingolf and V. Morgoth? Like, if you think about it, it's yeah. This is another one of those those matchups where it's like, oh man, this is fucking crazy. Yeah, this, this is crazy. crazy. And their fight is not terribly long, but it is very bitter. And the Witch King is fighting with with a big old mace. Yeah, yeah. Which is a crazy weapon. Like no one's used a weapon like that so far. Yeah. In this story, but the Witch King shatters her shield and breaks her shield arm with the mace and this seems like it could be the end for lady eowyn oh yeah i mean i can only imagine how fucked up her arm is but in a final desperate move mary marietic brandybuck of the shire stabs the witch king behind the knee with one of his barrel blade with one of the barrel blades got an excerpt about this scene here her shield was shivered in many pieces and her arm was broken she stumbled to her knees he bent over her like a cloud and his eyes glittered He raised his mace to kill. But suddenly he too stumbled forward with a cry of bitter pain, and his stroke went wide, driving into the ground. Mary's sword had stabbed him from behind, shearing through the black mantle and passing up beneath the hauberk, had pierced the sinew behind his mighty knee. Getting stabbed in the sinew by fucking... Oh, that would hurt. That sounds painful. Yeah, yeah. I love that word, yeah. Sinew. Sinew. <laughs> yeah, I had to read that over a few times to pronounce those. Yeah, it's gross. I, uh, yeah, what a gross thing. We all have it inside of us, but it's mm-hmm. nasty. 
So ultimately, this move uh, does do does two significant things. So first, it just so happens that that barrel blade that Mary happens to be using just happens so happens to. Yeah, this this is a callback all the way to the felt like the beginning of the fellowship when they get mm-hmm. those barrel blades at the edge of the Shire. So that that turns out that those barrel blades are one of the only weapons that can do damage to the Witch King because of the history of that barrel blade in the North Kingdom. Because in the North Kingdom, they fought the Witch King yeah, in the past. some so, old Numenorean tricks. So, yeah. The, yeah, so they actually had weapons back then to deal with this kind of shit. And it just yeah. happens, so happens that that's the blade Mary's carrying. So uh, when he stabs the Witch King with the barrel blade, it actually eliminates the Witch King's defense magic, and it wounds him. And secondly, the uh, unexpected injury distracts the Witch King long enough for Aowen to get up and deal one last fucking blow. One dramatic, final dramatic attempt to take him down. And we have an excerpt about this scene as well. Then, tottering, struggling up, with her last strength, she drove her sword between the crown and mantle as the great shoulders bowed before her. The sword broke, sparkling into many shards. The crown rolled away with a clang. Eowyn fell forward upon her fallen foe, but lo, the mantle and hauberk were empty. Shapeless they now lay on the ground, torn and tumbled, and a cry went up into the shuddering air, and faded to a shrill wailing, passing with the wind. A voice bodiless, and a thing that died, and was swallowed up, and was never heard again in that age of the world. And so he ended. And so endeth the Witch King of Angmar. And they thought it just. And they thought it was just. <laughs> We were just, uh, <laughs> this is a little inside joke from our Silmarillion read-along group where uh, we just read the part <laughs> where they chucked Maglin's uh, dad, Aeol, off the, the precipice of Gondolin. Yeah. And it's just like, and many thought, it, so it was like, and so he ended, and many thought it was just. <laughs> just yeah, I don't know. Just the very matter-of-factness <laughs> of that sentence just really tickled us. So it's yeah. been kind of a running joke. And so he ended. <laughs> and so he and they ended. they thought it was just. And many thought it was just. <laughs> But oh. soon, uh, let's get back to it. Let's yeah. So this, cra- so she did it. She did it, guys. The Witch King is is gone. gone. This is this is the end. The prophecy of Glorfindel has finally come true. Yeah, yeah. But not without a price. No. And Eowyn soon passed out from the pain she was experienced, and they believed her to be dead. Yeah, and seeing her lying there, dead on the battlefield, caused her brother Aemer to go temporarily mad, and he charged at the enemy in a crazy fury, bloodlust, oh, yeah. and he just went nuts and started slaying. Yeah. Dude, in the movie, they don't have him do that, but they do have him, like, lose his shit. Yeah, they do have that part where he breaks down and loses his shit. And I imagine he did, the the fellow they got to uh, play Aemer did a great job in that scene. Like, when he's, like, screaming and crying and holding her. Yeah, and it's in, like, half motion. It's like, oh, my God, it's it's Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah, Yeah, that was when the tears start to flow in The Return of the King. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Gets heavy. But uh, during the battle, she was also found by Prince Imrahil, who noticed that she was still alive. And Prince Emerhill ordered her to be taken to the Houses of the Healing right away. Right away. Stat. Statum. And so that is how Lady Eowyn uh, ends up leaving the Battle of Pelennor Fields. The battle is not quite over yet, but uh, she is taken off to the Houses of Healing. And there she was healed by who else but uh, sexy, sexy man Aragorn. Aragorn, tall, dark, (laughs) and handsome. Yeah, by the healing of the King Aragorn, and uh, brought back to consciousness also by the calls of her distraught brother, Eowyn, who was near death when she came in, she finally comes around. We've got an excerpt about this scene, too. Awake, Eowyn, Lady of Rohan, 
said Aragorn again, and he took her right hand in his and felt warm with life returning. Awake, the shadow is gone, and all darkness is washed clean. Then he laid her hand in Eomer's and stepped away. Call her, he said, and he passed silently from the chamber. Eowyn, Eowyn, cried Eomer amid his tears. But she opened her eyes and said, Eomer, what joy is this? For they said that you were slain. Nay, but that was only the dark voices in my dream. How long have I been dreaming? Not long, my sister, said Eomer, but think no more of it. It's a sweet moment. It is a sweet moment. Yeah. Yeah, I love yeah. the relationship between the brother and sister. Yeah. It's uh, it's very tender yeah. and very strong, too. Yeah, I love how it just Aragorn just, like, goes around, like, healing. Just, like, this is what he does. He's just, like, this person said. I love how he, like, literally, remember in the Faramir episode we talked about, so he literally, like, calls him back. Yeah. And he's like, my lord, I heard you calling. Like, uh, so, yeah, a similar thing. Yeah. Uh, that's something that he has to do to people who are suffering from the black breath, I think. Yes, the black breath, that nasty disease. The nasty, nasty. So after some time in the Houses of the Healing, uh, the Army of the West decides they're going to go march on the Black Gate to challenge Sauron. But uh, once again, Eowyn remains behind because she's still in the Houses of the Healing recovering. It's like, all right, we understand now that leaving you behind was a mistake. But you were actually pretty hurt this time. You should stay here. Yeah, she did still want to go once again. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But for the third time, yeah, she had to stay behind because, yeah, she was literally still recovering from, like, a shattered arm and shit. And this is how she meets uh, the Faramir. She's bitching to the the lady that (laughs) runs the uh, the, uh, Houses of Healing. And she's like, yo, I want to get out of here. Like, what can I do? And they're like, go talk to Faramir. He's in the next room. He's the steward of the city yeah and she's like a steward and he's like what can i do for you and she's like i want you to order them to let me go yeah i love like uh faramir's like i'm the steward of this city and i too am prisoner here yeah he's like yeah he's like i i too am under care here like we we don't really have much of a choice yeah and they both kind of bond over that too like they're they would both rather be out fighting with their friends with their friends than be sitting here healing even though they're uh, both really hurt yeah they are both (laughs) they both got seriously fucked up by Nazgul, mm-hmm. nonetheless. But yeah, th- as they spend time together in the Houses of Healing, this is when they start to fall in love. Yeah. But their t- relationship, too, is also very complicated. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just because Eowyn is a relatively complicated person, and she still has some of those feelings for Aragorn, mm-hmm. which was also complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got uh, we've got a little bit of an excerpt uh, to just uh, uh, an exchange between Eowyn and Faramir, that sort of puts this in perspective. Eowyn, do you not love me, or will you not? I wish to be loved by another, she answered, but I desire no man's pity. That I know, he said. You desired to have the love of Lord Aragorn. Eowyn looked at Faramir long and steadily, and Faramir said, Do not scorn pity that is the gift of a gentle heart, Eowyn, but I do not offer you my pity. For you are a lady high and valiant, and have yourself one renowned that shall not be forgotten. And you are a lady beautiful, I deem beyond even the words of the elven tongue to tell. And I love you. Then the heart of Eowyn changed, or at least she understood it, and the winter passed, and the sun shone upon her. I stand in Minas Anor, the Tower of the Sun, and behold, the shadow is departed, and I will be a shield maiden no longer nor vie with the great riders, nor take joy only in the songs of slaying. I will be a healer, and love all things that grow and are not barren. 
How beautiful. Yeah, so there's a huge shift in her uh, c- uh, character at that point. Yeah, during her time in the Houses of Healing is when she has a huge, like a, a big change of heart, too. Like, yeah. she develops a lot. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder if this is something that Tolkien went through, maybe. Like, uh, that um, very well could be. Yeah, like, uh, you know, just like, I don't dig war. Not that he ever did, but like, after mm. seeing it, like, you know, I don't dig this anymore. I want to be a healer and create things rather than destroy shit. You know? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because we know that he was, uh, when he was in the war, he did get injured and he was... Spent a lot of time in the, yeah, Houses of Healing. Yeah, yeah he spent a lot of the time in like the first aid camp. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I guess that makes a lot of sense that he would include a lot of <laughs> a lot of uh, dynamic healing. of people yeah. in the healing area. While people are off doing the battle, He's he has this scene that's back in the Houses of Healing focusing on the dynamic of people who are stuck in the Houses of Healing. Yeah, yeah. It's a pretty unique perspective on war, like wanting, mm-hmm. wanting to be out there fighting with your brothers uh ancestors but uh you're stuck because you're physically injured <laughs> and then not only just being stuck but going on to like develop from here like there's a lot of character development here and mm-hmm. she's just sitting in the houses of a healing she's not out at war it's really cool mm-hmm. but yeah so she has also that major change of heart and eventually she does completely fall for faramir she kind of allows herself to yeah like uh yeah she i allow myself to to, to love be, to be loved and to love yeah yeah it's it's a really beautiful way to kind of start the conclusion of her of her life mm-hmm. story but she did it on her terms just exactly. like every, just like everything else she yeah. fell in love on her terms and the ladies talked about this in the in the um keep the women in tolkien episode too. yeah this is one of the things we talked about it, it was really cool how the love story with eowyn was sort of an afterthought like it right. it wasn't part of her main storyline this is tacked on at the end no yeah and it was like it was kind of i think because those two characters faramir and eowyn have a lot in common which we talked about in the faramir episode mm-hmm. they're both beloved by their people but overlooked by their families mm-hmm. and i think like it was like you said an afterthought of like let's have these two characters find happiness within each other mm-hmm. not like a huge arc for really either one of those characters yeah and it's not like either of their story arcs throughout this awesome adventure have been driven by like a love triangle either yeah. this is something like they've done all that they've done their hero shit and now let's they're finding ha- love yeah, some happiness within each other it's wonderful yeah it's beautiful all right, so let's get into a little bit of uh, what what happens with Eowyn after the War of the Ring is ended. So after the demise of Sauron, Eowyn and Faramir, they get married, and they settle in the hills of Emin Arnen in Athelion. And the, they were both named the ruling prince and princess of Athelion by the new king of Gondor, that is King Elisar. Yeah, yeah. And Eowyn became known as the Lady of Athelion. And together, Eowyn and Faramir had together at least one son that we know of, Elboron. And uh, Elboron goes on to have uh, Eowyn's grandson, who is named Barahir. And Barahir is known for basically writing the tale of Aragorn and Arwen during the Fourth Age. And I think that ultimately, doesn't Pepin get a hold of that and he records it somewhere too? I am not certain, Joel. I think that has something to do with a uh, recording that Pepin makes because I know Pepin starts recording they, a ton of information. They and all he write, becomes... yeah, they all write chapters in the in the in the book, which is mm-hmm. like uh, Tolkien's like how the appendix got there, essentially, right? Okay, yeah. So maybe that's how that got there. I think I'm not sure though. That's that's something to look into. Um, so at Eowyn's insistence, Mary is also made a king of the Riddermark, which I think is highly appropriate. A, a knight, my friend. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I saw the K. King Mary of the Riddermark. All hail King Mary of the Riddermark. (laughs) 
Mary, yeah, Mary is dubbed a knight <laughs> of the Rudamar. And uh, at Aomer's coronation, when Aomer becomes king of Rohan, Eowyn presents Mary with a parting gift, the Horn of Rohan, which is a pretty significant horn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We actually, uh, it's a small silver horn, and it was uh, taken from the horde of Skaitha, the dragon. Yeah, it's kind of been in the in in Rohan for a while. Yeah, it's actually a part of a uh, of like uh, Eothaid legend. Like they they killed this dragon and and took this uh, old dwarven treasure and stuff. Mm-hmm. And this was part of that treasure. So yeah, so it's a pretty significant horn to just kind of hand off to Mary. It's a very honorable gift. Yeah, it's part of uh, their history, really. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is said that Eowyn and Faramir lived happily together until Eowyn's death sometime in the early Fourth Age, and the exact date and the means of her death isn't exactly recorded anywhere but uh, ultimately she got sort of the happily ever after until you die yeah story and she also Faramir outlived her too because he was like little Dunedain or whatever yeah he had that bit of Dunedain so I'm sure he that lived sucks. to be much he probably older. lived quite a while without Eowyn mm-hmm. that sucks oh well <laughs> oh well <laughs> but that's that's ultimately all the uh, information we've got for you guys on Eowyn today yeah hope you enjoyed this uh, second long time coming uh, female character profile yeah I mean she's also a very significant character in, in Tolkien's work just in general she's one of the yeah. few like very independent female characters we get who's not attached to the story of via a like relationship or love triangle of some kind she's mm-hmm. just kind of somebody there yeah well I suppose she does have those feelings for Aragorn but it's not like an active love triangle thing no it's yeah it's not like yeah it's different yeah it's her, her story is driven more or less by her exactly in her own will and she it's always her doing what she wants to do mm-hmm. slash or things she's obligated to do and then she's mad about it which you know <laughs> we've but, all been there yeah i i just really love the story of a when i think it's really fantastic but yeah, if you guys sh- think that we missed anything yeah 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 if you uh feel anything was left out or um you disagree with or something. you disagree like you hate aowen or something you or you hate us or you hate us or yeah or just let it, yeah just just let us or you hate Aragorn <laughs> or something. Yeah. no no i take that back we will not accept no <laughs> we will not accept any hate on aragorn if you call up hating on aragorn son we will find you we'll get all the other tolkien podcasts to line up against you too <laughs> you will be blacklisted <laughs> you'll be blacklisted <laughs> you'll be kicked off tolkien twitter never coming back <laughs> but yeah we we hope you enjoyed the episode guys thanks for listening uh make sure you follow us on all the social medias you can follow us on twitter at kot podcast you can also follow me at Danny J. That's J A Y K O T. Um, and also follow us on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash official keep on Tolkien. Also, make sure to join the uh, KOT talk group that's associated with that page on Facebook. There's just a lot of fun conversation and, you know, sharing pictures and things on there. It's really great. Mm-hmm. We also have, uh, sometimes we do active book club on there. Right now, we're doing Silmarillion book yeah, club. Yeah. We're about, uh, what, about halfway through the summer? We're a little over, we're about halfway right now, so by the time this comes out, we'll be a little over halfway, but there's still halfway. so much left. Come join us. So, come join us. And uh, also follow us on Instagram at Keep on Tolkien Podcast. Uh, be sure to subscribe to us on SoundCloud or iTunes or really wherever you get your podcasts. And that is usually at uh, said website.com forward slash keep on Tolkien. Yeah. Make sure you stay up to date on news and our latest episodes. And if you get a chance, be sure to rate us and give us a review. Yeah, we, we really enjoy reading reviews. Yeah, that's one of the things we love. Yeah. We don't get that many negative reviews. People, we we did initially. Yeah, well, well, people we, thought we swore too much. That <laughs> I was think like, they got used to it after. Yeah, a while. I think they were just like, "This is what they do. <laughs> They're not going to change." But we want to give a big shout out and a big thank you to all of our patrons. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, thank you so much. 
And if you would like to become our newest patron, patron, uh, go to www.patreon.com slash KOT podcast. Uh, and what Patreon is, it's basically a monthly subscription service. It helps to support us in what we do to bring you the same uh, kind of content at the same quality you're used to. And um, everything that we do at KOT is 100% DIY and it comes out of our pockets, doesn't it, Joel? Yes, it does. So the Patreon really helps us supplement those costs. And like you mentioned, just kind of helps us keep up the quality of the work we do for you. Yeah. And subscribing to the Patreon can also unlock some super cool exclusive Patreon content, which is almost always a little risque and not safe for work. So just be aware. Be aware. Do not look at it at work. (laughs) (laughs) We like to have fun with the Patreon. So go ahead and check that out. No, seriously, you will be fired if you... (laughs) But yeah, thanks so much, guys, and thank you to all the the patrons as well. Uh, You're our heroes. Thanks so much. Yeah. Uh, Thanks again for listening, guys. I'm Joel N. And I'm Danny J. And make sure to keep on On Tolkien. Tolkien. All right, Tuluba!